welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and today we are here to study with you the last episode of the Book of Mormon study. Last chapter. Last chapter, last study of this Come Follow Me Sort of, I guess next week is Christmas, but Moroni 10, the end of the Book of Mormon. We're excited to be here and we say that a lot, but um, we made it. We made it through the Book of Mormon. We made it through 2020 almost, and (laughs) we're almost to Christmas too. So it's kind of, I don't know, we are excited. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. We've got a Christmas tree up in our house and decorations going up and... um, I like that you say decorations going up because it's taken me like weeks to put stuff. Well, more boxes, more boxes to unpack. That, those are the decorations I was talking about. We got lots of. Box As I got the Christmas stuff out, I thought, "Why am I unboxing more things?" We, you know how it goes when you move. It's like the never-ending boxes. We unpacked only to move our unpacked boxes into the garage and replace them with packed boxes full of. I'm just Christmas playing. Stuff. Um, Box domino, dominoes with box. What do you say? Uh, Tetris, yes. kind of, or different rooms back and forth. Anyway, but it's fun. It's grateful to have a little bit of Christmas stuff out. It so, makes us feel feel festive. And but fun. Merry Christmas to you. We hope that with everything that's gone on this year, that you can still find um, that Christmas feeling, that Christmas spirit. Uh, maybe even in a in a different or unique way this year, like uh, like so many of us are. But um, hopefully that spirit of Christ and spirit of Christmas comes to you. So thanks for being with us this week. Yeah, and this will kind of be our Merry Christmas send-off. We will not be recording any more episodes this year. Well, kind of this year, in this within this Book of Mormon study. Next week, Come Follow Me has a Christmas lesson. We will not be recording a podcast episode for that as we spend time we'll be celebrating christmas we'll be celebrating christmas and we will be really just getting pumped we're we are really excited about the doctrine and covenant study next year and looking forward to just diving into that we have some fun ideas and fun things planned so i'm just looking forward to finally doing the doctrine and covenants when we did our first Book of Mormon season. The next book that we were planning to study before Come Follow Me Kate was announced was the Doctrine and Covenants. And I was so pumped and excited for that and was a little sad to dive into the New Testament with Come Follow Me. We were a little reluctant to follow along with Come Follow Me, but I'm actually really glad we did. I love the New Testament. This year has been interesting, re, re-studying the Book of Mormon, but... Um, Anyway, we're We've been waiting a long time for Doctrine and Covenants. We have and have a lot of fun things planned. So stick with us. We will not probably, I guess it'll be probably two weeks or so. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be back with you as we begin the Doctrine and Covenants study. So we will dive into Moroni 10 today. And there we go. So Moroni chapter 10 is uh, perhaps next to 1 Nephi chapter 1, one of the most well-known chapters in the Book of Mormon. We love verses 4 and 5, where Moroni exhorts us to ask God if the things that we've read are true and then promises that God will answer us. However, Moroni actually exhorts, that means to challenge or plead with or encourage, he exhorts us to do eight things in this final chapter. 
And in most of our studies, we usually only focus on the second one. We completely skip over the first one, which if I'm allowed to soapbox for just a little bit, we always say that Moroni's promise is verses four and five. Moroni's promise begins in verse three. If you really want to gain a testimony of the truth that the Book of Mormon teaches, if you really want to know that this book comes from God and that what God says to you is, is eternal, it's powerful and it'll bless your life, then you have to take Moroni's first exhortations, which happens in verse three, before you take his second exhortation or follow a second challenge, which is in verse four. And I won't even tell you what that is. I'll leave it up to you to study. But there are eight different exhortations in here, eight different things that Moroni challenges us to do. And we always spend time on the first or the second one. What we want to do in this episode is focus on the last one. So I'm going to read it for you. This is in verse 30. Moroni says, I would exhort you that you would come unto Christ and lay hold upon every good gift and touch not the evil gift nor the unclean thing. And then he quotes a verse of Isaiah that has been quoted multiple times in the Book of Mormon about us strengthening our stakes, enlarging our borders, uh, and putting on beautiful garments. And then he says in verse 32, to explain his exhortation in verse 30, he uses the same language. Yea, come unto Christ. Yea is always an explaining word. And so if you go verse 30 where he says, I exhort you to come unto Christ, and then jump to verse 32 and he says, yea, it means he's explaining. Verse 30, he gives the exhortation. I want you to come to Christ. And then in verse 32, he explains why. Yea, Come unto Christ and be perfected in him and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. And if you shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you that by his grace you may be perfect in Christ. And if by the grace of God you are perfect in Christ, you can in no wise deny the power of God. And again, if by the grace of God you are perfect in Christ and deny not his power, then are you sanctified in Christ by the grace of God through the shedding of the blood of Christ, which is the covenant of the Father under the remission of your sins, that you become holy without spot. That phrase, perfect or perfected in Christ, can be a challenging one, but it's the one that we want to hone in on in this episode. Now, I know that perfectionism is a real problem, and because so many of us struggle with it, we are very quick to jump on a verse like this and say something like, well, to be perfect certainly doesn't mean to be perfect in this life. We've got a long time before we're going to be perfect. Or to say, well, God surely doesn't expect our perfection because only Jesus Christ was perfect, and so there's no way that it can be perfect. Uh, but every time I hear one of those statements, there's never an explanation of what the verse or what the phrase actually does mean. And so it leaves me hanging because Moroni says very clearly that we are to be perfect in Christ. He repeats it multiple times and he's not the only one. Uh, if you go to the New Testament, Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount commands those listening, this is uh, Mer Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Be ye therefore perfect, 
even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. To the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus, Jesus says to him, If you will be perfect, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Jesus' apostles in the old world understood and taught this, this exhortation, this invitation to be perfect. Paul to the Ephesians said this in chapter 4, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Uh, to the Philippians, he said, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. To the Colossians, he wrote, whom we preach, Jesus, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And on and on and on. In other words, being perfect in Christ isn't a... A, a downer. Yeah. <laughs> Something that should make us feel intimidated or which I think sometimes we read as mm -hmm. I know that that's something commonly taught that it's not but still that word perfect can yeah. be intimidating so I think it's really motivating to see it so often actually in the scripture to help us really put it into into this context yes and I think what helps us understand this to make us not push it aside but also not feel overwhelmed by the gravity of it is understanding exactly what God means when he uses the word perfect or when his prophets use the word perfect in the greek at least the word that the greek word that's translated as perfect is teleos and teleos means by its just by its definition to or for something to be brought to its end or to be finished another translation or another definition is for something to be fully complete or to be fully matured. Uh, in the New Testament, sometimes that word is translated as adult um, in contrast to a child. In other words, what Jesus and his apostles and prophets mean when they, when they command us to be perfect is not that we are to be flawless, because of course only Jesus was flawless, only Jesus was sinless. There is no expectation that we live a flawless or perfect life. The commandment is that we continue to the end so that we can become fully finished, fully complete, fully matured. It's that we not put up our hands and stop God from doing what he's doing to us simply because it hurts or because it pains us. We let him finish his work on us uh, so that at the end, we can be presented as perfect in Christ, fully complete or fully finished in Christ and by God. And I think this message becomes especially poignant when we hear it from the mouth of Moroni at the end of the Book of Mormon, at the end of his life, who has experienced a lot and ha it hasn't all been pretty, it hasn't all been easy. And he feels this. He feels that this perfection comes through Jesus Christ and that he can have this finish, this maybe not quote-unquote perfection <laughs> that we think of it, but that he knows that when we live through Christ that things just work out for the best, that we can feel Christ in our hearts and in our lives. 
So the question we want to ask this episode, unless you understand the word, what the word perfect means, it does not mean sinless or flawless or without mistakes. It means to be fully finished or complete. Unless you understand that, this question is frustrating. But if you understand it, it's not. The question is, how can we be perfected or perfect in Christ? What does Moroni teach? What have we experienced this year that has helped us to become more complete, more finished in Christ? Well, let's start at the beginning, at least the first one that for me is applicable and maybe the first one that stands out because it's the first thing that, like Zach said, that Moroni exhorts us to do. And that's in verse three. He says, if it be wisdom in God that ye should read them, that ye would remember how merciful the Lord hath been unto the children of men. Um, If there is something that I have learned in my Book of Mormon study this year, it's that. It's the importance of looking back and looking and remembering. That's what these stories that we've studied all year are about, is the mercy and the grace that God shows to his people, even in times of hardship and trial. And I think that that is something that can draw us closer to this this maturity and this completeness is to not get stuck in that space of everything bad is happening or hard things are happening or this is just happening to me is when we remember how merciful he's been to us in the past or hearing the stories of other people because we can't help but feel that motivation or that gratitude as we remember and we remember how how truly merciful the Lord has been. Which, again, to echo what you just said earlier, is an ironic statement coming from the last Nephite who watched his people be completely destroyed. This is Moroni saying, remember how merciful God is after his whole people. I mean, he's, he's witnessed one of the, well, the biggest war recorded in the Book of Mormon. He's witnessed the death of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, his own father's death. He suffered loneliness uh, for decades. And now he's here telling us, remember how merciful God is. And so there seems to be a hint at that, that when Moroni talks about remembering God's goodness, he doesn't mean remember all the times your life was problem-free because it has never been problem-free for him. And And I don't think it is for anyone. I, I really... You know, it's interesting because I think Moroni just had a very high, um, maybe he had a good therapist. Let's put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) I was just listening to a mental health podcast called The Virtual Couch by Tony Overbay. And for some reason, this just really resonated with me, this message of that life is just hard. And when we really understand that just things happen and kind of have that mentality, not the downer mentality in it, but just knowing that things aren't going to be perfect. We have this really, we live a pretty, the majority of us that you are listening to this podcast, you have probably a pretty blessed life, especially when it comes to the necessities of life. And so to remember that it's okay when things are hard. It's that same thing, and I know I've said this before, but I said it again to my daughter today as we were climbing up a hill at a park. She says, my legs hurt, you need to carry me. And I said, 
no, it's good. If your legs are hurting, that means you need to build some muscles and that you're going to be stronger next time. And when I always say that, I kind of laugh at myself because I think like, okay, Krista, you're saying that to yourself because you need that all the time too. But just, I feel like Moroni knows this. He has lived a hard life, but they had hard lives back then too. So it was something that he saw and practiced and and lived. You know, this point of remembering that... (laughs) that God is merciful and that his mercy often shows itself as struggle or trial or difficulty Uh, brings up this image from Isaiah where this is Isaiah 64. He says, uh, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay and thou art potter and we are all the work of thy hand. And I picture that as, as a very literal thing with God molding us, shaping us, which I know is a very common symbol. But I think um, with this idea of becoming perfect or fully finished, how dumb would it be if in part way through the molding, the clay says to the potter, I'm done with this. You were supposed to be merciful. You're supposed to be loving and kind and, and generous. And, and you're hurting me. You're shaping me and pushing me and pulling me and you're tearing pieces off and you keep you keep shaping and reshaping me. It's a dumb thought, but um, this point, that image comes to mind when you talk about remember how merciful God has been and that his mercy is often displayed in him constantly working on us. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever even attempted a potter's wheel, um, they are messy and it's hard. Like, <laughs> and so I like actually that Isaiah uses that analogy because I have done very little. I think I took one class. I had actually a child pottery wheel as a kid that I loved, but it was really hard. And then I thought I'd be good at the actual wheel as I was in high school and it's hard. And anyway, I think that's a really cool thought to think of it that way. Well, my... The, the, the answer that came to me as I studied with this question of how can we become perfect? If the first answer is remember God's mercy and remember that his mercy isn't always easy. It isn't always soft. Uh, this, the thought that struck me was in verses 20 and 21. And maybe it's because my whole study and even my life seems to have centered around these three words. Wherefore, there must be faith. And if there must be faith, there must also be hope. And if there must be hope, there must also be charity. And except you have charity, you can in no wise be saved in the kingdom of God. Or in other words, unless you have charity, you cannot be perfect. You cannot be fully complete because someone that is fully complete or fully finished who has made it to the end of their molding has charity. And then he says, neither can ye be saved in the kingdom of God if you have not faith. Neither can ye if ye have no hope. Um, If I can be a little bit personal, for me, these three words describe um, very real moldings that have happened in my life this year. And I share them uh, partly out of testimony, but partly because my guess is that you have experienced these same feelings, these same or similar experiences, maybe even more powerfully than mine, have come to me uh, and, and can see as I'm sharing, 
that God is, is molding and perfecting you. So first, uh, faith. Um, when we found out uh, that we would be moving uh, from Utah to Pennsylvania, um, we were really excited, really excited about it. But there were so many unanswered questions, and I can't count the number of times I said, this is probably the first time in my life when I am really being, my faith is really being put to the test. Um, especially as um, coronavirus hit and we uh, couldn't fly back to look for a house. And when we did, it was a really rushed experience and uh, we had to drive across the country during the pandemic. It, every one of those, I, I just couldn't see. I'm a planner and I could not see more than a couple of minutes ahead of me, let alone days or weeks like I'm usually used to. And it was almost as if God had torn the future away from me so that I was required to trust him, to have faith in him. And so uh, I'm nowhere near complete in this, but I can confidently say my trust in God is much further along now than it was on January 1st, 2020. For hope, this last uh, month, we have had one kind of house problem after another. Uh, we had our refrigerator break, our dishwasher break, our shed break, our furnace break, our car broke. I don't know, am I missing anything? <laughs> yes, you're missing a few, but we'll Oh, stop termites there. in the walls, right? Termites <laughs> in the walls. It, it, was, it was one problem after the other. And um, I really started to um, despair is probably a, a soft word for what I was experiencing. I was really down about it. And I know those are such small things in the scale of things. And so many people struggle with so much bigger things. But uh, for me, because I'm weak in this, my hope failed. And I noticed that as soon as it did, um, uh, my so much else in my life stopped making sense. Um, and I really had to pray for and wrestle for that hope back. Um, which I can say now, my hope is stronger. My ability to optimistically look at the future, even when I don't know what the future is going to be, my, my ability to be optimistic is much better now than it was on January 1st. Last, my charity has grown this year. Um, as one example, with everything going on, uh, with all of the social upheaval, the, the, the racial discussions and um, experiences that we've been through, uh, and then capped off by this kind of weird political season, uh, I got wrapped up in a lot of the politics of it <laughs> and um, started looking at what people were posting online and the back and forth of this side being so angry at that side and that side being so angry at this side. And it started to, to eat away at my charity. I had to stop. Uh, people that I know and love were being ruthless to each other online. And I had to stop because it was eating away at my charity. Um, one of the great outcomes for me this year has been understanding and seeing people so much clearer and loving them so much better than I ever have before. And so if trust is faith in God, if hope is belief in the, in the world and charity is a love for others, um, I think those three things have to be in us and have to be growing in us if we ever hope to become perfect or fully finished. 
Well, maybe we'll kind of end where we started because really all of this just ties together because faith, hope, and charity are part of these gifts. In verse 30, just to read it again, and again, I would exhort you that you would come unto Christ and lay hold upon every good gift and touch not the evil gift nor the unclean thing. So come unto Christ and lay hold upon every good gift. And in the verses preceding that, starting around verse 8, he lists all the gifts and they talk, he talks about how we can receive these gifts. And some of those gifts are those ones that Zach has already talked about, faith, hope, and charity. And there are some of those gifts that we just need. <laughs> I know for me, I have really been um, praying for some of those gifts. And it's funny, Zach, actually, I'm seeing you mentioned being in despair and it says that, that if you have no hope, you must needs be in despair. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you don't have hope, you're hopeless. And that's a really sad place to be. And I know for me, that's kind of been the gift that I have been wanting more. And we talk about it as a Christ-like attribute. And you can't have these gifts without Christ's help. And I just love the way that um, these gifts are explained in these chapter, in this chapter. Um that, as verse 18 says, Moroni exhorts us again, and I would exhort you, my beloved brethren, that ye remember that every good gift cometh of Christ. And in verse 8, I would exhort you, my brethren, that ye deny not the gifts of God, for they are many, and they come from the same God, and there are different ways that these gifts are administered. And I really think that the a very important way to reaching this complete, to coming more fully to Christ and receiving and allowing him to mold us on that potter's wheel or however we view that process to be, is coming to him with with humility to understand who we are and what gifts we have and how he wants us to live, how he wants us to live and love and be with our fellow men and how we want to view ourselves and that we have the chance to use his power to do so much good in the world. So in summary, it's an important part of this process of coming to this perfection is working with him to figure out who you are and all the wonderful things that you can do. As always, in your study, you will find personal answers to this question of how you can be perfect. Remember, perfect means fully finished to be complete, not sinless or mistakeless. You will find your own personal answers. Uh, But at the very least, hopefully your experience helps you to remember God's mercy, which isn't always easy, uh, to contemplate your own faith, hope, and charity at the end of this year, and to recommit to asking God for the gifts you need to become more like him and to live a life more like him. Thank you so much for studying with us this season, the Book of Mormon. Uh, We, like Moroni in verse 34, will bid you all farewell though we're not going to the place of rest in our paradise just yet. But we are taking a couple of weeks off. Hopefully you have a wonderful Christmas, and we will see you next season for Study the Doctrine and Covenants. Merry Christmas. See you then.